At this point, there's certain things about today's movie, Dirty Dancing, that maybe it would be overkill to talk about. Do we need to go over its iconic lines? Do we need to go over the swan dive? Do we need to go over Jerry Orbach looking the way that he does? Yes, we do. We do. Because this this is a great movie. This is one of the great movies. I'm sorry to tell you, but Roger Ebert did not include it in his great movies essay collection. He gave it one star. I do not understand. But let me tell you, it's our job as the rom-com gents to single out the movies that we love, single out the movies that give us joy, and single out the movies that we think will give you joy. And there's a lot of movies on our podcast that, you know, as rom-coms, they're fun, but maybe they're not, you know, the greatest films of all time. But let me tell you, Dirty Dancing is not just a great 80s movie. It's not just a great dance movie. It's not even just a great Patrick Swayze movie. In the history of cinema, we are telling you right now that we think this is one of the greatest films of all time. And we're going to tell you why. With hearts and hands and souls and mind, it's Gentleman's Guide to Rom-Coms. With your host, it's Ryan Graves. And Kelly, too. You know it's true. Because our arts are open for you. It's a Gentleman's Guide Guide to to Rom-Coms. Wow. We are good autodidact singers because i didn't know where you're going with that but man we did a good job <laughs> yes except for we that did dissonant lasting tone but whatever now we have to remember that exact song with the exact notes if you want to call them that for the next 30 years <laughs> well well uh we're at nine patrons on our patreon and we said for our stretch goal that when we get a 10th patron we will have a theme song written. yeah so it just should be something like that that's our rough draft <laughs> of the theme let's song. send it to an editor see what they say see what they're going with it and then yeah i think it's i think it's a hit um ryan i have a game but not for you this week oh i've devised a game and i think you'll agree that we should probably not quiz each other on this movie because we know very little about it mm-hmm. but i thought maybe we should quiz my wife robin yes okay your very very pregnant wife indeed Um, we went on a walk today to try to like maybe not get things moving well yeah like i you know you're doing you're doing all the all the stuff all the time to get things moving spicy food spicy food the coitus coitus (laughs) coitus um i can never like list things off without sounding like bill pullman in sleepless in seattle register register (laughs) (laughs) um and so we went on a walk today and we're talking and um she knows a lot about this movie dirty dancing and i thought you know we'll quiz her so here we go let's call her and see what she's up to okay (laughs) (laughs) hey hey robin robin is this robin 
<laughs> yeah. Hey, this is uh, Kelly and Ryan over at the Romcom Gents. You're on the air. Welcome. Live. <laughs> I'm getting celebrity phone calls now. Yeah. Yeah, you should uh you should really check your phone and see if uh see if you can do something about that. <laughs> what are you guys calling about? Uh well we are calling because um we we have a, a game here, and we were wondering if you might be able to uh, help us out with it. Okay. And and if you win this game, we have two free tickets to go see um, the Winterhawks, the <laughs> the the hockey team in Portland. You get to go in the next two weeks. Yeah. So you have to choose one oh, of those games. Timing. Yeah. That's perfect timing. Thank you. Um, now this is the dirty dancing trivia game and it's a very dirty game it's so dirty <laughs> you 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 weren't on the podcast before this so you didn't realize but we just mentioned coitus also before you oh. came on yeah it's getting pretty sexy okay. in this room yeah we yeah <laughs> i gotta take off a sweater it's getting hot okay so are you ready for the dirty dancing trivia game uh, as ready as i can be <laughs> okay here we go question one what was Patrick Swayze's main talent before acting? Uh, dancing. He was a ballet dancer. That is correct. Oh. That is correct. His his mother owned a ballet studio, and that is where he learned to dance. Very good job. You are um, be- much better than I am when Ryan does trivia. Well, for me. I, I would say. If she didn't know, it would be a good guess too, given what we saw on screen. (laughs) You think he's? But I'm also a dance movie aficionado, and uh, he's a real good dancer. Yeah, yeah, he is. Um, uh, But you know, acting pretty subpar, I would say. I just couldn't even stand it. Um, (laughs) It's obvious. It's like a second language to him almost. You know who's much better? Channing Tatum. Oh, way better. I mean, step up. The dancing is good. The acting, better. Way. No, I did. I, I, I don't know if I. No, I disagree with this. I, sorry, I redact everything I just said. <laughs> yeah, um, you should. <laughs> no, no shade towards step up because this is good, but yeah. <laughs> okay, are you ready for it's question not, two? It's not dirty dancing. No, no, it's um, no dirty dancing. Yeah. Um, what movie? Were Jennifer Grey and Patrick Swayze in before Dirty Dancing? Together. Maybe together? It together. Oh. Um, I don't know. The only movie I know that I think he was in beforehand was Skate Town USA, but I don't think she was in that. <laughs> So I don't know. Is Skate Town USA any good? <laughs> I like how Robin's only knowledge of P. Swayze is like, what are the other movies? Only dance movies come to mind. Like, he was in other non-dance movies. I know Skate Town USA is one of the lauded dance films. I have seen many more dance movies than other movies in my life. Um, uh, Ryan, do you have an idea? I know the answer, and I want Robin to get there. I just want to... Can we give her a clue? I don't think Robin knows this movie exists. Oh, you you want to say it? Well... Do you want to say the, the, the thing that they say in that movie? Um, What is the thing they say? Wolverines! No, I don't know. <laughs> okay, one more clue. It was shot in Spokane. The uh, only thing I know that was shot in Spokane was Benny and June. Ah, oh. uh, no. Unfortunately, the movie we were looking for was Red Dawn. Red Dawn. 
It's it's where North Korea. No, no, no. Russia. It's where Russia invades uh, Colorado, but shot in Spokane. Okay. <laughs> okay. Question number three. You're you're one for two. Okay. Patrick it Swayze. It all rise. Well, there's five questions, so yeah, I mean, you can come back. Oh, okay. Patrick Swayze injured his knee during one scene in the movie. Which scene do you think it was? Oh. Hmm. Okay. Part of me wants to say during the dance where they're doing the baby, you know, that thing, because he's on his knees crawling during that. But right. it's not like that's really anything intensive. Um, I mean, everything with Patrick Swayze is intensive. Yeah. This is true. I guess I'm just going to go with that because he's actually on his knees, like crawling towards her in that. Mm, sexy, but wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That's what my wife says about me. <laughs> <laughs> sexy, but no thank you. Um, the The actual scene was when they were on the bridge, uh, or I hazard to call it bridge, the log the in log. which they are balancing on. Because he refused to have stuntmen, and so there was one time where he came down on his knee, and he had to get the fluid drained from it. Ooh. Well, I mean, I know he had a knee injury as well. That's why he didn't continue his dancing career, like full-on dance career. Oh, that was in football, but, though, right? That's yeah, an old football injury, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he, maybe, maybe it was re-aggravating or something. I mean, he's pretty good as yeah. a Chippendales dancer with Chris Farley, so oh. he's pretty good. <laughs> oh, yeah. And you know, you're using it mainly your knees. I don't know. <laughs> um, okay. Next question. Baby is 19 in the movie. How old was Jennifer Grey during filming? Was she... I guess, like... Oh, I was oh, going to give you multiple you choice. Multiple yeah. Okay. Was she... A, 23. B, 25. C, 27. Or D, 30. Or... E forty seven. Yes, or E forty seven. I'm gonna guess twenty seven because she looks young, but I yeah, twenty seven. That is correct. Oh, oh man. Um Okay. Well Wait, 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 wait. You're telling me that a year before when she shot Ferris Bueller as Ferris's younger sister that she was twenty six when she made that? Yes. Wow. Yes. Jennifer Gray. She I'm can play she can play young. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, Robin, that's two for two. It all rides on this, this time. Okay. It really does. Also, very dirty. Mm. Mm, it all rides on this. Oh. <laughs> and it all rides on Kelly Bishop. Um, oh, okay. Who was not originally cast in her role as Baby's mother, but as a s different character in the film. Can you tell me which character that Kelly Bishop might have been cast as? Okay, she's not old enough to have been cast as the old lady who steals things. Correct. Um, so she would have been... Ooh, was she originally cast as uh, the, like, predatory lady <laughs> who just wants to have sex with Patrick Swayze? Um, I mean, who can blame her, but yes. Yeah! <laughs> that is correct. Vivian Pressman. All right, Robin. Nice. You won. Robin, you it, was, it was close, but you win. She would have been kind of awesome in that role. Yeah, I would have bought it. Yeah. I uh, like the yeah. other lady, too, but I would have been okay with Emily I, Gilmore stooping Patrick Swayze. I really would have loved to see her just, like, making Patrick Swayze uncomfortable the way she makes Lorelai uncomfortable. Yeah. Not in the same way, yeah. but she's good at that. 
Um, this is definitely the most pleasant I've ever seen Kelly Bishop in a role. <laughs> but still very, like, her persona was like, yep, that's, uh, that's Emily Gilmore up yes, there. Yes, very much so. Um, it was it was hard to see her not be in charge, though. Right. Yes. Emily Gilmore's always in charge. Correct, yeah. correct. Um, well, hey, Robin, thanks for coming on the show. I just want to do a double check for both Ryan, myself, and the listeners. Uh, are you in labor right now? Nobody yet. We're we're still waiting. Okay, great. Still then I, pregnant. Then I think I feel safe going back and doing the rest of the episode. Yeah, you got at least thirty more minutes to record your episode. Thirty minutes. <laughs> okay. And then she's going into labor. She promises. Okay. Okay. Well, we better um, get to it. I got to tell you a story. <laughs> I love you. Hang on. Uh, thank. Thanks for being a, an, a wonderful wife. You're amazing. Uh, do, Brian, do you have any anything to say? Just that I love you. Hey, that's my wife. No, like I love you too, Ryan. Yeah, hey, like, that's my I, podcast I, wife. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm wearing Ryan's sweater right now, actually. Uh, wait, wait, what? what? <laughs> you, the zip up hoodie. The oh, hoodie. the one that you gave oh, to me. Yeah, okay, my swag. Yeah. That's okay. my sweater, Robin. <laughs> don't don't offer it back to Ryan. He'll take it. He loves things that have uh, film no, logos no, on it. Keep it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Love you, babe. Bye. Love you. Bye. Well, I guess we only have a half an hour, so I better tell you a story. Tell me a story, Turk. Let me tell you a story about love, D'Artagnan. ask you about love, probably quote me a sonnet. I'm not much more than an interpreter, and not very good at telling stories. That's the end. What do you mean, that's the end? That's not. It's the beginning of something interesting. Listen, that's the end of that saga. The end. So, we open in 1963, before John F. Kennedy was shot. We're in the Catskills. Before the Beatles made it to America. But they were in Britain doing some things, so someone somewhere knew about them. I think they might have even been in Germany at this point. No, by 63, they were doing they UK were stuff. Oh, okay. And then 64 is when the, I think... The big transition happened. The big happened. invasion happened. But yeah, it was the last breath of innocence. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which this movie just exudes innocence. And baby, baby, our main character, Jennifer Grey, just has the babiest face of baby faces. and she For just, a 27-year-old. Yeah, and <laughs> she just looks so sweet and innocent and just, you wouldn't... You wouldn't, oh, yeah, but aware at the same time, yeah. Like in, in a weird way, she has like this, this can-do attitude where you could see her being like a young go-get'em reporter. Yeah, it's like she's kind of naive, but it's not her fault, and she's making up for it. Right, she, uh, not naive in a way that we weren't, though. What do you mean? Like, uh, like her her naivete comes from like class. Yeah. But in addition to that, like a lack of sexual experience. Yeah. She's in this upper crust, white, upper, upper level. Liberal Jewish kind of family where. She's guarded. She's been guarded from a lot of like realness on the streets. She's not. (laughs) She's probably, she's been to the streets a couple times and that's why she wants to be, um, what does she want to do with her life? She wants to major in foreign economies. Yeah, and something basically very... save the world and join the join the Peace Corps. Do something better. She than wants what... to join the Peace Corps. Yeah. She's going to get an undergraduate degree in like UN peacekeeping, like very yeah, yeah. progressive, safe stuff. Very cool. Yeah, very cool stuff. And she's we've got this thing where you can tell that she's like kind of a daddy's girl, and he very much keeps her in this safe place like they go to this resort where it's like very 
everything is prescribed and scheduled Ugh. and like you could, can't could, really get in trouble up in the Catskills. You can't like run off like you can. Sure. As, because we, see, as we see many people do. But it, the, the resort is very set up as a secluded place where you can't get into danger. Have you have you seen Marvelous Miss Maisel yet? Not yet. Oh, you got to see. There's like I'd rather just rewatch Gilmore Girls over and over. <laughs> there's three episodes uh, or I think maybe even four episodes of the second season, which is basically this where it's set in upstate New York and mm-hmm. it's just like a a big resort by a lake that a bunch of Jewish people are going to. And it's like, it's, it's where I want to go. But at the same time, like, I don't, I don't think I could be there without being slightly cynical <laughs> because, because it's all, everyone there is just of a different class than you. What do no, you mean? No, it's, it's much more like, like, okay. So you were talking about how it's very safe and everything is very prescribed. There's uh, like the dancing where it's like everybody mamba together yeah. uh, or like, let's form a train. And it's like, it's pretty square. Right. I, I don't mind. Being, you just got to go dance with the help. Right. Right. You know? right. I don't mind being stuffy and I, I definitely love taking high tea and stuff like that. But like the, there's, there's this, there's this taste to the world that I think baby also wants to escape out of, which is just like when she's dancing and there's like, you know, a bunch of people like that are old that she's dancing next to. And I don't really like this. And then mm-hmm. she's like, she tries to dance with her dad, but somebody gets in the way and there's all this like metaphor for like, Oh baby, baby doesn't necessarily belong in this world for long. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's such a relatable thing. Like we've all been on those vacations with our parents where we're going to do something that's family friendly and we're teenagers and we're like, this was fun when I was 12, but like, right. I'm so ready to move on to the next thing. And your parents can't really accept that you're, you're ready for the next thing. And baby's like, she, I think she is graduated. Like she's about to go to college. Yes. Yes. She's 19. Um, and she, she doesn't, she doesn't know it yet, but she needs, she needs to break out. She, she needs to be awokened. I mean, not phys. Well, maybe physically. She does. She's, okay. She needs to lose her virginity basically. <laughs> well, not necessarily <laughs> that, not but, necessarily, but that. there is a coming of ageness that is, uh, Coming of ageness. This is dirty dancing. No, I know it's a dirty. It's not that kind of dirty movie. It kind of is sometimes. Um, So (laughs) I can can just imagine someone going to a rental store before they had like covers, Uh and it's just like the blockbuster cover on it. And they're like, "I just want to watch a dirty movie." Ah, dirty dancing, great. (laughs) It's like there wasn't even anything dirty in it. It's like watching the best little whorehouse in Texas and (laughs) expecting something completely different. Um, so baby and her fam are like hanging out. She has a stuffy sister who's like way more basic than she is. Yeah. And her sister's very like, okay with being in this very like upper crust stuff. Yeah. She just basically wants to like hook a rich guy while she's there and and be happy with that. And baby's like, that's boring. Yeah. This is boring. You guys are boring. And, and, and we all feel how boring it is. It is. It is boring. Like there's something it's nice, but boring. There's it's like Pleasantville. Yeah. Right. Where it's like nice, but yes, boring. Yeah. And um, oh, can I, can yeah. I just uh, go ahead? I wanted to get into my critical opinion now so that I can feel f- the freedom to finish talking about the story. Cause if I don't tell you how I felt about the movie, I might burst. Oh, go ahead. 
this was the first time I watched this movie. Yeah. Kelly, I loved Dirty Dancing. Yes! I was so afraid there for a second. <laughs> Me too. Have you so have you seen it? I've seen it twice before. Uh, the last time I watched it was in college, right when Patrick Swayze died. Oh. Ugh, it was a hard day. Wow. Um, watched that in Roadhouse. S- Man, speaking of Roadhouse, like there's this moment where in this movie, it's toward the beginning when we're, tr- we're like getting to know all the cast of characters and this mm. douchebag, because there's not much of a better word than Robbie. Yeah. He's like this rich Yale student who decides to, um, he's, he's, he's tending tables up here for the summer for some reason. Yeah. And Patrick's he like the first thing he does is insult Patrick Swayze. And the first thing out of my lips was you can't do that. He was in roadhouse. (laughs) He'll kill it. Like I literally said it out loud. I was like, he'll rip your throat out. (laughs) He probably has the guy's throat right now in his pocket. (laughs) And I just, I was just like aghast that somebody could say that to Patrick Swayze without peeing themselves a little bit. I'm, Really glad that I watched this movie with undivided attention, with headphones on my ears, yes. with the room being mm-hmm. darkened. I think it would have been a tragedy if my <laughs> my pleasure robe on. <laughs> it's still mm. like I think a, it would have been a glass t- of brandy in your hand and a cigar. <laughs> it would have been a tragedy if I watched this, say, in college in a dorm room and we just threw a DVD on and we were paying half attention because we were also hanging out at the same time. Uh, I think, yeah. you, like, I saw so many movies in. In that manner mm. and this easily could have been one of those movies that is this was possibly just thrown why on. you don't like clive owen because you watched most of his movies in college that in a may dorm. be yeah, that yeah. may be um but <laughs> it would have been a movie that i probably would if i had watched it in that setting would have been like oh yeah this is yeah, fun yeah, sure sure but being totally dialed into this movie when i got to the last 10 minutes of this film my edge of your seat right my heart, when Patrick Swayze <laughs> shows up, it's not that he says the line, no one puts baby in the sure. corner. I've always known about that line. Everyone knows about that line. I thought there was going to be like context to such a line. Sure. But it comes out of nowhere. It's it like, does. No and one's putting her in a corner. She just happened to have been sitting there. What if she was sitting in the table in the middle of the room? Nobody puts said? baby in the middle. <laughs> Nobody puts baby in the middle. Nobody puts baby in the lake. There, she's just swimming. <laughs> she's just Nobody like, puts baby in the lake. <laughs> and her dad's like, what? And she's like, no, I chose this seat, Patrick. What <laughs> but uh, Robin and I were talking about that too. And we think that maybe it would, if we didn't know about it through c- cultural osmosis, it wouldn't be something that we'd think about twice. Right. But since it's so out of the field and everybody loves that line, we like build it up in our head and we're like, okay, yeah, sure. Yeah. Sure. I, okay. <laughs> go, go dance with her up on the stage. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but all right. Well, we'll forget about that line. I just second. need you to understand. No one was putting her in that corner. <laughs> the dad's like, I still don't like you for the next 40 seconds until I do again. But I didn't put her here. But when they start dancing, when the song comes on, mm-hmm. they start dancing. They do the, the swan move. And when they get to the group shot of Patrick Swayze dancing with all of his buddies and they're in this chorus and line he's like together. bringing them down the aisle. Oh, holy shit. Yeah. It gave me such joy. This this movie is what I think it is the ultimate like it's not a musical but it kind of is. We'll it, get into this later. I'm going to call yeah. it a musicable, but I it, it is a musical. But, but like no people don't put it in the musical category. Right. But like it 
It does exactly what a great musical and a great rom-com should do, which is just make you fucking want to fall in love. Yes, it it filled me with love, but more importantly, joy. Not happiness, joy. joy. Yes, there is a difference. I I turned the movie off. Like I, I sat there listening to the like the end credits mm-hmm. and watching the last credits. Like I don't even think it was that song. It was just kind of no, like- No, it's the one that Patrick Swayze sings, actually. Yeah, and the movie came off and it was like 11.10. I had to get to bed, but I like went to bed just like wide awake, just <laughs> buzzing, buzzing from such a great movie. Uh-huh. And you know that feeling when you leave a theater where you, you're practically skipping down the aisle? Yeah, yeah. There's, well, like where you just have so much energy leaving leaving yeah. the theater. Like a like completely different kind of energy, but like the end of Whiplash, where you're just like oh. so, com- <laughs> well, you know, like you leave the theater on such a high note Yeah, where it's like so much energy is going on and I'm like, I was just blasted away by a movie. Yeah. Yeah. And it's that Stranger Things nostalgia where I'm like, I am so envious of the the teenagers that were going to the movies mm-hmm. in 1987. And I can just imagine coming out of the auditorium uh, from this movie, they must have had, dare I say, the time of their lives. <laughs> I think 1987 is one of the more joyous years because you have this, you have uh, Princess Bride. Or, oh. It's just like, there's so many good ones that came out in 87. Won't rival 1989, the one-two punch of Batman and The Last Crusade and Purple Rain, but still. Those are epic, but joy? Eh, maybe not so much joy. Okay. Um, but yes, I completely agree. Like, all Robin and I could do afterwards was, like, do a little bit of dancing. Mm-hmm. Like, we danced, and we were like, we need to take more lessons. <laughs> and and then we talked about dancing, then we talked about Patrick Swayze. I mean, there's just... Uh, this well, movie. Well, let's work backwards because I want to talk about Patrick Swayze's dancing for a second. Sure. He dance. He dance. He dance. He is trim. He is muscly. And he's got jaw. Yes. And he's got spin. And he's very talented. He's very skilled. He's very, his formalness is wonderful. He is I, precise. I don't get, I don't feel bad that I'm not a better dancer because when I watch Patrick Swayze dance, I'm like, well, <laughs> I, I can't do that ever, so <laughs> okay, I'm not yeah. missing out on anything. There's a lot of dancers who can't necessarily do what Patrick Swayze does. Like you should, you should go watch videos of him and his wife dancing because she's a professional dancer, and they mm. were they were married for like 34 years or something like that mm-hmm. before he died. And then, and if you just go watch them at like Robin and I watched one where they danced together at the World Music Awards. Oh, and which I didn't know was a thing, and they are just both perfect mm. like but patrick swayze was just like not i, I don't want to say a step above her it was weird because he was wearing like trim clothes yeah. and she was wearing like a really flowy dress but like he was so precise yeah there's something about his dancing that is both graceful and precise and i think that stems from him being a ballerina first right ballet and, dance i don't think he was oh unless he's a ballerino i don't know if there's like a differentiation between male female you know what if you want to be a ballerina, be a ballerina. Be a ballerina. I don't care. You want to be a mermaid? Merman. <laughs> but yeah, some some rom-coms we see our main characters dancing and neither of them are good dancers and that's not the point of the movie. But right. those are the movies where I'm like, oh, fucking, I know how much Sarah likes to dance. I need to take her out dancing more. Uh-huh. But when I watch Dirty Dancing, I'm like, I'm not going to do that with you. Like, <laughs> Well, yeah, but you don't have to do that. <laughs> I know. But it's, that, it's, it's a good feeling where I can just watch these people sure. and enjoy myself yeah, and yeah, not yeah, feel yeah, like yeah. I need to participate. 
Yeah, there's just uh, it's like like watching this movie is like watching uh, it's almost a sports movie yeah. in a way because it's got it's montages. very cutting edge. Yeah, it is. There's there's a lot of montages. There's a lot of feet moving around and getting to know how good somebody's getting at something through their feet. Yeah, and and I think this movie actually started off that swath of like rom-com dance movie sports movie kind of combo. I think a lot of that started right here. I haven't seen step up even though I intimated that I did, but I haven't seen step up. Save the last dance. Save the last dance. Step up two. step up three, step up four, step up three (laughs) D step up 40 smell of vision. (laughs) Yeah. So wonderful dancing. I, I want, let's get one more topic before we get through the story. Okay. Let us call us a musical. Let us call us the musical. It's a musical. Um, As a genre, it's a rom-com and a musical, but it might as well be competing against Singing in the Rain, An American in Paris, Top Hat, uh, all those movies. Grease, <sighs> Chicago. Okay. It's a musical. So I, the, the re- I can hear the other side saying no to that, and let me just give their credence yeah. real quick. Okay? Yeah, yeah. Where... The, there's only two times in this movie where it actually follows like that musical logic where there's cognitive dissonance between the real world mm-hmm. and all the dancing and singing they're doing. Mm-hmm. Because for the most part, this is like them. The fact that they are dancing is just part and parcel to the plot. It's, it doesn't exist outside the mm-hmm. confines of reality. Right. 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 Except when they're doing that montage where she's learning and it's the hey love a boy scene yeah. where she they she starts talking but then it turns into them doing dancing at each other yeah and it becomes like kind of a love scene that's told through their dancing which could exist in the real world but feels much more like a musical then there's the end scene where he starts actually dancing with all of his people and it's like i don't think you had time to set up all of this choreographed it's dance. perfectly choreographed. Yeah. And what's important is that you believe it and you buy it and you're not saying, no, 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 no. They couldn't possibly be doing this thing that they're doing. You're going, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and in that respect, though, since it's like 5% of the movie actually exists like that, <laughs> I think it is musical light. Okay. I mean, I'm going full on musical. I you're what's your experience with musicals? You've seen Moulin Rouge, Singing in the Rain, and American in Paris, and all the Fred and Ginger movies, Grease, um, Grease. Yeah, okay, Fred two. And, Fred and Ginger actually is much more like this, right? And it, to a certain res- certain respect, also Singing in the Rain, where you have people who are legitimately dancers. And, and they're, entertainers, and they're the the thing that we're seeing is not them breaking into dance, but doing their dance for the people in the movie itself. Exactly. Like if you're looking at something like White Christmas or something, mm-hmm. definitely a musical. But almost almost every single time that they're doing that, they're performing for someone. Right. But not every time. Because right. There's other songs like where they Danny, do break in song. Into right. Song. Dan, Dan, Danny Kaye going out and dancing with um, uh, Vera Ellen. Vera Ellen. Uh, they're not doing that for anybody. They're doing that for themselves. And so that's right. where that musical dissonance comes in. And there's some stuff in this movie where there, there's like musical montage where she's learning how to dance and it's like showing a montage of thing. And we have this song carrying us so through that's this much montage. much more a sports movie. Right. Right. 
which wouldn't happen. They would do montages differently in um, a musical because it would be the interstitial stuff that gets us back to the music. Well, this just backs up my claim that the cutting edge is also a musical. (laughs) (laughs) But I, I I, you know, write the paper, (laughs) write the paper for Patreon. I, I think, I think it's enough that the heart and soul of this movie exists because of the dance numbers in this film that move the story forward mm-hmm. or moves the emotionality forward. And so much of the storytelling is through dancing. Yeah. And we really, okay, let's get back to the story. Cause I, I want to, I want to be able to talk about yeah. how this but works. I think with that the story. like framework needs to be introduced of why, why this is a, a musical and we'll show through the telling of the story my contention. Okay. Yeah. Cause I'm like, I'm 50, 50 with you. Here, yeah. But, um, okay. So basically she shows up, um, she's introduced to all this stuff. The, the owner of the resort is trying to hook her, his son and her up and the dad's really pushing them together. And he's like a stuffy Ivy league asshole. Yeah. He's like, mm-hmm. he's, he's not that bad. He's just super vanilla. And then later on we find out that he's like privileged. Yeah, basically, Very. He's, he's like a, a butthead. Yeah, um, and then she gets the hots, the hot eyes for Patrick Swayze when she sees him. She sees him on the dance floor. He does that like resort thing where he's showing off for the guests and then dancing with them to get them to dance. I really like where Kellerman's like, stop, because <laughs> yeah. they're showing off too much. Yeah, he's like, you have to be dancing with the guests. He's like, fine. He's a professional. Him and his uh, lady, who's and we, we, she's, she, she becomes an important character throughout yeah. the story. It's not his lady, but his partner, his partner, um, who is, uh, Cynthia Rhodes, Penny. Mm-hmm. Uh, they used to be a thing we find out like when they were kids, but, but it was not anymore. Right. And they have good dancing. Partners. I really like their relationship that they're dance partners and there's something platonic, but also not platonic that is threatening to baby, but it's like some kind of connection that we, we, intuitively understand it it feels like they used to date but they're again i'm gonna bring sports into this like um i was asking robin about this weeks and weeks ago about something else but like if you've ever had that like connection with someone professionally that brings you close to them even if you don't have like necessarily a lot of connection to them on the outside Mm -hmm. it's like they have that connection on the outside too but it's almost a professional love yeah, and yeah. and that 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 subconscious connection you have with a person through an art form, especially like dancing is and the dancing they're doing is so about the coordination between each other, much like the cutting edge. Right. And reading each other. Yeah. yeah and like yeah. really having to be on the same level and and being able to anticipate the other person's instincts. Mm-hmm. And like I totally get that as a musician. When I play drums, like when I played drums with my friend Cameron in high school, we got to the point where we played so much together where I would know exactly what he's doing mm-hmm. at the same beat. Yes. And this is what I'm talking about. And that's the same with dancers. I gotta think. Like it's the same with dancers. Like uh I was talking Robin's had that with with some people that she's acted with where Mm -hmm. they're just so in sync with each other in a scene that like one of them can improv and the other one knows exactly where they're going. Yeah. And like, I used to have people that I played soccer with where like we just, I knew I could look in their eyes and see where they were going, Mm. turn around and kick the ball where Uh, I knew they would be, Yeah, but not even be looking at them and just trust that they'd be there just because we've done it so many times. Yeah. It's like, 
like like any anything where you just have that connection and they have it. Yeah, it's kind of like an Airbud when the coach was making them practice without a basketball to show that they needed to be working as a team. Wait, was this the mean coach that was like beating no, up? No, this the kid? was the good coach, oh, remember? Good coach. And then the bad kid was like, This is dumb. I don't want to be on your team. So I just wanted I to bring remember. up <laughs> I just wanted to bring up Airbud. Okay, cool. Yeah. So basically, baby. Baby kind of makes friends with this guy who's working there and helps him carry a watermelon. I like her their their relationship. He's like, hey, sup. She's like, no, but I'll be friends with you. Yeah, basically. <laughs> and then she helps him carry a watermelon. And Robin always says this line because like later on, like baby shows up. She sees everybody dirty dancing and she's like, there's this great camera work oh, yeah. where she's like moving through all of them dancing. Oh, yeah. And the shot is it, so evocative. It is. It's like everybody is kind of looking at her, but kind of into their self. And baby's nervous, but not too nervous. And you're just like, a part of this world, but not a part of it. And what's so great about this moment where she finally, because she goes to the cabins where all the workers are are just partying because their 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 night is going. And throughout the movie, we've seen dancing at the resort with boring old white people, and they're mm-hmm. like, "Let's merengue." And yeah. it's really sad. Uh-huh. <laughs> and what's great about the camera work here is that in these scenes where we're at the resort, seeing the old people. Merengue, it's not like this very intentional camera work where the director's like, I want you to pay attention to this. No. It's just kind of happening and we're observing and noticing it the way that Baby's noticing it, where she's like, whatever. Like where she's dancing with the other guy and they accidentally like run into the old people. Yeah. And it just, like everything feels like basic. Yeah. Yeah. And then we get to where all of them are dirty dancing and it's again not intentional camera work where he's like look at the dirty dancing. We just get the feeling of baby be like oh shit. Like, well, yeah, look there's, what's going on in this room. I actually do think that the camera works a little sensual. Like yeah. there's there's like a drifting quality to it. Yeah. Um that just it feels soft and then there's times where like like after Patrick Swayze ends up dancing with her where she's dancing mm-hmm. and then she stops dancing because she realizes he's moved on to someone else, but the camera's just fixed finally. Yeah. And you feel that fixedness. Yeah. He he has the the director's got a subtle hand. Yeah. It's not it's not overt it's not showy. No. And it's not overt filmmaking. No. It's just it's very assured and confident in what it's doing. <laughs> so basically baby shows up, um, Patrick Swayze's like, What what do you bring her here for? Because like you're not supposed to bring the guests to this. Right. And she says the line like, I brought a watermelon. <laughs> <laughs> and Robin always says that and I didn't know what it was from and now I know what it's from where she's like whenever she does something un- unnecessary or awkward she says <laughs> I, I brought a watermelon <laughs> I love it so much and so, he's like whatever I'm gonna be Patrick Swayze he's gonna be Patrick which makes Swayze. him only hotter yeah like I don't usually like the grunt gruntly crusty hot guy thing but I'm like no be angry Patrick Swayze I like yeah. you when you're angry and he's not the the interesting thing about the Patrick Swayze hero and the Jennifer Grey heroine from this movie is that Patrick Swayze isn't he doesn't ever act sexually right he doesn't just is he just kind of exudes sex through being good at what he does and being hot mm-hmm. um, but he he has no ego in it Mm-hmm. Um, and Jennifer Grey basically doesn't have any shame in her innocence at the same time. And that's kind of what makes her hot mm-hmm. because she's confident at the same time as being innocent. And it's like their two levels of confidence are are good. Like when he picks her up and like tries to teach her how to dance, like 
a, a more shy person who wasn't interested in this wouldn't let somebody, they'd be like, no, 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 I can't, I can't. Right. And she just lets him do it. Yeah. And like, there is a confidence in that too. And it feels very real. And that's, what's great about a romance movie is that you want to be able to place yourself. You want to envision yourself in this. And I don't relate to Patrick Swayze, but I can relate to trying and having something going on with baby. And I can see that. Happening. I feel like you would relate more to baby. Well, I mean, because as, you're as not a, a good, character, yeah. but romantically the film is, is having you fall in love with these, these characters and you want to be like a participant in the sure. love story. I and, think, I think you, you fall in love with Patrick Stewart really early in the story. Stewart or Swayze. Cause Sorry. I, I, I too fall in love with him as well. <laughs> I, it's going to be hard for me not to do that. Cause I was reading about Picard today. <laughs> Um, but the, her looking at him and seeing him early on in the movie mm-hmm. means that like as, as an audience proxy, like she is falling in love with him much earlier. Yeah, whereas definitely, which like, makes total sense. He doesn't fall in love with her until like halfway through the film. Yeah. Yeah. It takes a long time to get there. Absolutely. So plot wise, her, her sister's maybe having almost sex with this Robbie guy, but she's angry at him. Cause he's a douche. Cause he's a douche. <laughs> they do more boring stuff where they try on wigs. What's the whole wig scene about? It's just a little activity at this boring you resort. Can, yeah. You can try, try on, on wigs. wigs. Oh yeah. Dennis Nedry's there too. <laughs> <laughs> Newman. Newman. And he's there like being the annoying camp. Such a thing. He, he's a, a hype thing. man. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I've never been to a resort like this, so I don't know about hype men. Have you been on a cruise? No. So cruises are cruises are a lot like what's going on at this resort. Oh, okay. There's always something going on and there's always something to do if you want to sure. or you can just kind of hang out and your own do your own thing. Sure. And there's always like this communal activity stuff. Yeah. I think it's very much a 20th century what we see at the Catskills thing is a very 20th century thing that's kind of dying out. Yeah. The way that we entertain ourselves these days, which is kind of sad because this resort does seem nice. For right. the parents, like you can tell, it's like this is great. Yeah, there's something about it that, like, I, it's, I, I want to be able to go spend time at a resort with a not an, even a resort, but just like because resort is is a word that, uh, I'm, like, I want to go to the mountains and I want there to be things I can do that's not just hiking sometimes and like hang out with some people. Like, and have, like I want to go camping, but. At a resort like this, sometimes. Right. Like, have you been to like a resort resort in like Mexico or anything like that? Yeah, no. you no, you went you went to a, like a Hawaii rest, resort once, right? Yes, 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 yes. I um I spent a couple of days at a Hawaii resort when I went to Hawaii. Once. Yeah, and so it's kind of like those res- that's like the thing now is what? resorts like that. Yeah, I got to go to Hawaii with my parents, um, and the. But it was like they were staying at a condo, but there was like resorts nearby. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like today's resorts is so anti-community where it's like you've got your own room, your own condo, and you've got your own space to hang out at the pool. And yes, there's a restaurant to go to, but it's all a cart. It's it's not. It's not communal at all uh-huh. so there is something wistful and nostalgic yeah. looking at this and, and i i actually uh you really do need to watch marvelous miss Maisel because the way they portray it it's like there's something hokey about this but in a way that i miss because i've never had it yeah you know it's what is that that like french word for you're nostalgic for something you've never known a petit déjeuner no that's not it that's <laughs> breakfast <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so we get to this point where Patrick Swayze dances with baby just be like hey loosen up dance yeah. with me a little and she's like okay yeah and she she almost like licks his face she, yeah she, she's like totally into it yeah <laughs> she she has a really hard time like if she was a guy she'd have a really hard time standing up oh yes yeah. oh yeah um and again it's just like yep 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 um and then she finds out on like a bad date she's on, she finds out that um, Penny is knocked up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so we get into this really real dark subplot Mm -hmm. where it's just like, okay, we're going places. It is, it gets rough for a little bit. She borrows money for her dad in order to help Penny get an abortion so that she, because the guy who knocked her up is one is the guy that, baby's sister is now kind of seeing mm-hmm. at the resort, but he's not going to claim ownership over this baby because yeah. he, he's like, I'm rich and I don't have to. Yeah. The guy's being a bastard. Yeah. Um, and so she gets the money, but well, slow down. Like I really want to like explicate what's going on. Cause it's pretty amazing yeah. character work. Sure. So the dad, so baby finds this out mm-hmm. and she immediately wants to help. And this is part of baby's drive to, be a problem solver in the world. She yes. sees this hardship and this thing and it, and she's not doing it to get Patrick Swayze to like her. No, that would be a nice outcome, I'm sure, for her. But the main reason she's doing it is because she sees somebody hurting and she wants to help. She wants to fix it and she wants to do whatever it takes to, to get this girl help. And so what she does is she goes to her dad and she's like, Dad, I can't tell you what I need money for, but I need $250, which, you know, in 1963 money is a lot, a lot of, money. of money. And um, the dad and her have such a special relationship that he like, he's like, I'll figure it out. Don't worry about it. I trust you. He asks if it's illegal. And she says, no, no. And then uh, <laughs> Kelly Bishop um, comes over and the dad's like, ah, oh, nothing's going on. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it, Kelly. It's a very cool dad moment yeah. where it's like, I trust you, my daughter, take the money. And the dad is a complicated character because he's... He's a good dad, but he just has some issues. He's a very night. He's he's uh, as a as far as nineteen sixties dads go. He's pretty good. He's pretty good. He's pretty good. Um, and so she gets the money, and there's this whole plan that, in order for her to get this abortion, there's like this doctor coming through town on a day where she's supposed to be performing somewhere else, and so what they devise is basically. Baby will learn her routine with Patrick Swayze so that she can go get this thing done and she can save both of their jobs. Yeah. And I like how Patrick Swayze's first reaction is like, wait, you want baby to learn her routine in like a couple of days? No, No this is impossible. Yeah. And we're kind of sitting there. We're like, yeah, that doesn't seem like a good idea, but this is, but the, that plot point of, Oh no, I need to learn this ridiculous dance routine in order to save the day. That is a very That's rom-com musical <laughs> plot point. Show your work. White Christmas. It's not that they well, they have to come up with a show in like a day to save the general's thing. No, they already have the show. They're just moving it up there. But they're they're they have to rehearse. They have to create all this stuff. Yeah, they're they're bringing so, people in. They, so it's 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 a big to do. Yeah, but it's what it is. 
I think more than a musical thing is a romance rom-com thing because it's it's a save the rec center. Right, but it, it's predicated on being able to do a musical number. Sure, but I mean we want to see them succeed is, in the dance this number. Is, this is just as much the, a, this is just are, as much a sports movie thing because yeah, it's like it is. it's like okay, we're going to play for the right to use this field. Like this is um yeah. what's what's the it, it's um what's the camp movie where they have the contest at the end? Um it's it's uh heavyweights. Yeah. Yeah. It's I mean it's a uh, like uh okay, but if we win, then this right. kind or, of thing. Like, remember the Titans, it's like they can't lose a game. Like right. the stakes, right. they have to win these games. Right. And so it's this thing where it's like they have to at least at least scrape by on so, the stance. She so can't be an amateur on I think stage. what we're saying here is that this movie is in equal parts a musical, a rom-com, and a sports film. Yeah, I, I'd say cutting edge is a a control where it's kind of saying it's verifying what you just said of like, yeah, because it's, it's using the same beats. Right. But this one's much more musical. Right. 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 If they broke into song in the cutting edge, then we'd have no choice. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but there's so much cutting edge ingredients in this movie. Very much so. I think, I think it might've riffed off just a little bit. If, if only because it's so physical, if, if baby was already a dancer and she just had to learn the routine, it would well, be less sports. Movie. This, this is where most dance movies exist today mm -hmm. because I've, I've seen a lot through watching with Robin because she is the dance movie expert. She is, uh, her and her friends, Beth and Becca used right. to host a bad movie dance night. Mm -hmm. And the formula goes like this. Generally girl knows ballet and or a classical dance form mm -hmm. boy knows hip hop or like some form of like more dangerous dance. And he's from the streets. And he's from the streets and like he does a different kind of dancing and he has like cool friends and she's like comes from a stuffy background. Like we even watched a movie from I think 2017 in made in Sweden that was <laughs> this plot exactly. Uh -huh. But, but like, so many dance movies are this where like, it's like, no, you have to come learn how to really dance right. and, and like, you, learn you, your soul and your heart. You have it. to figure out a way for the plot to justify these dance sequences being, and, having stakes right. and like getting the plot moving. And, because and, of and it. with those dance movies, like the step up movies, it's all like there's, there's a contest and I need somebody to help me win this contest. And you know how to dance a little bit, but you don't know how to dance like this. So I don't know if you can do it. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'll show you. I can do it. But this movie's so much more interesting because it's yeah. really taking someone from zero to hero. Yeah. And we're, we're sitting there and we already have been endeared to Patrick Swayze that if something bad to, were to happen to him, like if this dance got like totally fucked, we would be worried about his 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 stake because yeah, he's Penny got a no longer has a job. He doesn't have an, uh, a job, and we we understand that they're both poor except for when they work here because like um, old men and women basically give them like money and uh, diamonds for sex. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's that like artist thing where it's like. At least at this resort, no, it's not Broadway, but at this resort, they get to do what they love for a living. Right. And we don't want them to lose that. No, We're because, totally endeared to them for it. Because basically, um, if Penny gets pregnant, like her, at, at least from how we understand the 1963 of this movie, 
she's done for. Yeah. Like she'll, she won't dance anymore unless she gets a really lucky break. She's been abandoned by this guy. Mm. So she's yeah. got no help. And she would just have basically Patrick Swayze helping her, but it would make both of their lives extremely hard. Yeah. And so, and with Patrick Swayze, if, if he loses his job here, he'll have to go take work, uh, being a painter. Yeah. A house for, painter. For his uncle or something like that. Yeah. And like, it would just, what it would do, the stakes are hearts and souls would be crushed. And we, we see Patrick Swayze dance and we're like, this guy has to be a dancer. Right. This guy has to be a professional. Like yeah. somebody needs to pay him to dance in front of me. That's who he is. Not, not like in a, in a, well, I, I, I wouldn't mean, mind. <laughs> but yeah, he, he, he lives and breathes dancing and you can tell with how like professional he is both at the club, mm-hmm. but also how much passion he has when he's dancing in like the houses of the, the workers. Yes. 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 And so we, we get this first beat, this plot point of this dance that they have to pull it off. And yes. that is good stakes. It that is. makes me really care about the story. And so like the montage is really great because Jennifer Gray does a fantastic job playing somebody who can't dance. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Yeah. And I mean, in the same way that like, Robin was saying how she loves when actors have to act like bad actors mm-hmm. or actors have to act like bad dancers. Yeah. And um, it's just so much fun watching her go from not knowing basically anything about dance and then like the days and hours that they spend not only with her and Patrick Swayze, but Penny's also there kind of like trying to help her through it. And yeah. like that scene when the three of them are are dancing and Penny's behind her trying to like keep her feeding foot. Yeah. Foot footing. Correct. Yeah. It, it's like, I don't know, there's there's something so sensual yet desexualized about it that's so yeah. beautiful. What's so great about this sequence is that it's so focused on the storytelling and it's not being cheap to its audience because a right. cheaper movie would be like, oh, they're dancing together. And they're touching. And Patrick romance. Swayze would have like a lingering look and then look away. Yeah. But no, Patrick Swayze is focused on the mission. Yeah, because they have a job to do. And and that's how it goes. Mm-hmm. Like that's how we are in life where we just suddenly realize, oh my God, I'm connected to this person. Right. Like with Sarah, it's like all of a sudden I just swerved around. Like, holy shit, I'm in love with this girl. Like it wasn't this thing where it's like, oh, that 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 look. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's never like that. No, no. I mean Except for you and Robin. <laughs> no, no. No, we were Well, uh, no, you guys were like We met each other and immediately knew we were in love. Yeah. Um, so it can happen in a look, but it's never it's never the two or three looks that decide a relationship. No. The I'm trying to think of like this like other movies that we've seen though where it's like like you kind of think that you're falling in love with someone but you're not sure and Well, like, like that's that's I think this that's a legitimate way to fall in love. But I think in this movie, I just don't think Patrick Swayze has time for it. Right. Like, it's not it's not on his mind. He's not thinking about it. Whereas Jennifer Grey, she's like not having to work. She's just helping these people out and she's having a good time doing it. And we already know that her mission is like, I really got to help these guys. Yes. Exactly. And it's like, oh, I get to help by dancing with him. This is great. So mm-hmm. we also still see that happiness that she gets right. that. But like when he's touching her, uh, she's not like totally obsessed with it. It's just new to her. And that's why it's 
scary. Yeah. And like that, but, but it feels so natural because when he's like doing this move where he like slowly takes his hand down her side and almost grazes the side of her breast, it tickles her. Yeah. <laughs> and she just can't stop laughing. And he's like, Oh my God. Yeah. Like, like come we, on, we have got to do work this to do. <laughs> and I, I, I love that on all levels first as a production level. Cause I don't know if this is true, but I think it's true that those are outtakes that it wasn't scripted that it, they were going to try it three times is that she literally was laughing. She was breaking and Patrick Swayze is like, fuck, like stop breaking the scene. Like we're trying to get the shot. And he knew maybe that the shot was ruined. I, I don't That's know. what I read. Oh really? Yeah. So it, I think those might be outtakes that so, the director was like, no, this should just be them getting to that point where it's working. So I know that they didn't really get along super well in, um, Red Dawn Mm -hmm. and they were hesitant to work with each other. Like Patrick Swayze really had to convince her to work on this movie with him. Mm -hmm. And then I know that there was like a little friction with them in the first like week of filming, but then like the producers got them together and showed them the chemistry that they had on screen, Mm -hmm. not in the dailies, I think in their audition tape together Mm -hmm. and convinced them that like, this is really good. And you guys are good together. You got to make this happen. And and they were like, they came back like super enthused and like ready to do it with each other. And then ended up like friends. Yeah. Yeah. But that shot where he's grazing his hand down her side, she's like laughing because it's tickling her probably. Yeah. But it works so well with the story. But it's also that I see that coming of age aspect of like that, like nervous reaction to something sexual happening to Uh her. Like I, there, there've definitely been, women that I have like had relations with of one kind or another. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, you're doing a grazing touch and it like immediately tickles and it almost right. like takes you right out of the moment. Oh, God, it's so <sighs> frustrating. <laughs> um, and I get that. That's it's, but it's such a beautiful thing. Cause it's so true. It's that other level thing where I'm trying to be romantical with Sarah. Does, does Sarah have a specific spot that's ticklish? Um, that, that you can mention on air. <laughs> it's just if you're gonna if you're gonna like grab her arm or whatever, you have to do it or not do it. Right. It's yeah. you don't you don't no gently graze skin or anything. It's just gonna be ticklish. So okay. I've I've learned so, to just not touch her with Robin. Like that. It's her left like neck area <laughs> where like her, for some reason her right neck is fine. But if I ever get close to like like softly kissing that part of her. She just goes. <laughs> yeah. And like, if I try to do a Patrick Swayze move where it's like, I do this like graceful, like hand down a, an arm or anything. Uh-huh. She just laughs at me because I'm trying too hard. Sure. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you're, you're, you're attractive when you're not trying, but when yeah. you're trying to be sexy, when you're trying to be romantic, because there's something about like being so true to yourself that yeah. is sexy. And that is Patrick Stewart in this movie. S- Swayze. God damn it. <laughs> so bad at this. So they have this wonderful montage and we get some, uh, what I love also about the production of this film is that there is anachronisms and I love it. Oh yeah. Because it goes back and forth from sixties music to eighties music I to sixties music. Eighties music it works so well for this film. It's so good. <laughs> And, and you, I remember, um, you used to really not dig anachronistic music, mm-hmm. but we've now had two movies in the last, like, three months where that have, have done that, that have both worked really well. 
it's got to be something that you just totally earn. Like, I really like it in Inglorious Bastards, where he's just throwing David Bowie music in a World War II movie. So it's like, I, I buy that. I, what, what do you think about Knight's Tale? Because that was our other one. I, I like it in Knight's Tale. They made a choice and they they're were sticking by it. They're yeah. like, you know what? We're doing it. And I like how my sister in law is like, why is this having this music? It's like, <laughs> just enjoy it. Just enjoy it. Um, but yeah, the. Uh, this movie just works. I don't know. It, it made good choices and strong choices. Yeah, and it, it earned having that 80s music because it was right for the scene. Right. Um, like, as long as something... As long as something matches. Yeah. Um, so what happens is they go, they knock it... They kind of knock it out of the park. Patrick Swayze kind of saves this dance number for her a couple of times. Because it's pretty good, but she doesn't do the lift because she chickens out. She's she never danced in front of people before. Yeah. yeah. That's, it, it's hard. It's great. I really like how he's like whispering like... Just keep it. He yeah, keeps just, telling her what yeah, to do. He's her coach. Because yeah. That's literally what he is. Not only her partner, but her coach. Really great. But then they get back and the abortion did not go well. Yeah. It was a botched job. She's not doing, she's, she's in a really rough shape. Like she's bleeding and, and they don't know what to do with her. Cause baby, if they take her to the hospital, it's like taking someone who's OD'd on drugs. It's like, right. you're in, you're going to get in huge trouble. So they don't know what to do with her. Right. So baby's like, I know what to do. She gets her dad, the doctor and love this. Dad doesn't ask any questions, doesn't say anything, no judgment. He's like, okay, what's going on? He's like, I have a Hippocratic Oath. I'm going to fulfill it. Yeah. Yeah. And he he f- helps her. And then um, the like other guy that she, like that baby, that introduced baby to this world, like shakes his hand. And then Patrick Swayze tries to shake his hand. And the dad has made up his mind that Patrick Swayze, like, because he asks who's responsible for her. And it's Swayze says, I guess it's me. Yeah. Well, he doesn't say, I guess it's me. He, 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 he does claims a man, it. He does a manly thing. He's like, I am. Yeah. Like, and I'll then, jump in. So the dad makes an immediate su- assumption that he got her pregnant, then had her get an abortion from somebody who is an, uh, not professional. Yep. And so he's responsible for this whole thing. So does not respect him, walks away, and baby, like, runs after him, and he, like, forbids her from seeing them again. All of that, all that crew, like, no, I don't want you associating with Anybody. anybody. Yeah. Especially not Patrick Swayze. Yeah. And that immediately throws her into his arms because he's super vulnerable. She goes over to his house and then they have a great sex scene, which was cut from the 2007 DVD, by the way. I don't know how much of the sexiness uh, I watched. I watched on Prime Video. No, no, it's all there. Okay. So I saw everything. Yeah. I saw it. Speaking of Patrick Stewart, I saw saw everything. everything. Um, but it's not, I mean, it's, it's really sexy because like they basically start dancing together and yes. he, he, I think very intentionally, he doesn't try to have sex with her. She is the one initiating kind of everything. And when he can't stand not taking her into his arms anymore, mm-hmm. he lifts off her shirt and they just start dancing together and then have sex. And it's really hot. It's really hot. It's just really hot. And I just feel like Harlequin romance, like this is the like. He's sweaty. His shirt is unbuttoned quite a yeah. bit. She, he slowly removes her shirt up and then they start dancing together. I feel like this together. is the template. Yeah. And this is like the gold standard, which everything is being copied from. Yeah. Well, the um, they have sex and it's, you know, it's great. And comparatively to our 90s sex, it, it has it doesn't have as much it doesn't have any nudity really mm-hmm. um there's just like it's all hints um, right and and compared to like love, love jones, jones where it's like oh it's oh, sexy oh we are we are 
we are in a uh, <laughs> soft core land the, right there, now. There's there is something very much to be argued for what we see in Dirty Dancing. Why sensuality should never be discounted. Right. It's and mainly because in in Dirty Dancing in this scene they're making it a huge part of the emotional story between these two characters. Yeah. It's not just like, and they had sex. Right. And it was hot. Right. No, 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 no. Yeah. There's meaning. And then, like, they go check up on the girl the next morning, Penny, and she's doing better, and the dad has checked up on her. But then she, like, intuits that the two of them hooked up, and she's like, Johnny, you can't do it. Don't don't do it, Johnny. You know what? You can't hook up with him. Yeah, and Patrick Swayze is like, uh, I gotta go. And then she's like, hey. And he looks back at her and he can't. He, yeah, he can't she smiles and he can't say no. Oh, uh, it just. So mm. they, they continue their relationship. Um, and at this point, we can call it an affair. And I, I say that with like mm, good, good positive emotions. Yeah. Because, like I don't mean dirty affair. I mean. But a, it's behind the backs of other people. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, he's. We learn a little bit more about him. He's, you know, definitely slept with a lot of people. We really get to know him after this. He really starts to open up to her once they start having this relationship. He's kind of akin to what's his name from Breakfast at Tiffany's. Yeah, but Um, much better. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But (laughs) just, just, yeah, he just um, makes his living not only doing this, but also having sex with rich women who will like pay him in diamonds. Yeah. And there's this great bit of dialogue where she's just like, uh, you know, I'm just another girl. Am I just another girly or just sleeping around with other women? Well, she tries to, she tries to bring it up that it's not a big deal. She's like, she's trying to be cool. Yeah. She's like, how many other people? Yeah. She's trying to play it cool, but she really does want to know. Right. And he's, and he, it flusters him because he's at first you think he's like, don't do this. This is just weird and awkward, but it's, don't worry about it. It's literally just hard for him to talk about because most of the women that he's slept with, he's, done it in a way that shames him he's ashamed and he uses the words they use me Mm -hmm. and i felt so terrible for him i know right and like this is just a great male characterization who can feel used through sex yeah which is just it's wonderful storytelling and on, on the on the flip side of that thing like we have his consequences are very internal and emotional whereas pennies are very external Mm. And it's still emotional, but like the consequences, male to female in this respect, right. uh, are kind of shown differently. Right. Um, the the agony that Penny goes through is very physical, public and physical. Yeah. But the agony that Patrick Swayze is going through is very internal. We don't see his suffering. Right. Until this scene. Yeah. And then uh, some kind of tomfoolery happens where yeah. they someone the the one of the women who was sleeping with i don't know how this shook out the way it did it feels like a conspiracy because the woman that was stooping patrick swayze sees him with penny our baby right after she slept with robbie the guy that baby's <laughs> sister was sleeping with who also saw the two of them that night there's a there's a whole mess of yeah. catching people having sex with people <laughs> But she's super pissed at Patrick Swayze. Because he won't sleep with her, even though her husband's basically paying him to. Yeah, and he totally turned her down after we learned about all of this stuff. And so we see him stand up for, for himself. And, and say, I'm going to be with Baby. And yeah. it's so hot. Yes, it is. Because Baby's like... Baby sees, and she's, she's just like, like... Oh, damn. I just got a huge emotional boner. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, and we're we're 
it's weird being a spectator in this because it's like we're like a third party in this. We're uh-huh. like, this makes me feel special. <laughs> it's like, wait, why is this making me me feel special? I'm not in this relationship. And that's what's great about art is that you're really placing yourself inside the interior lives of these people. Yes. And so we, I just love these characters at this point. I just feel admiration for both of them on the individual basis. I I know what he's been going through. I see him standing up for himself. I It's not something poetic where it's something one-to-one where he's, his dance life reflects his interior life. It's mm-hmm. like, this is just another guy, and I love who he is. Yes, very much so. And, and he's not going to change the world. Right. Like, this movie doesn't try to... I mean, other than whenever he walks into the room with all of his like dance people, everybody's like, Johnny, yeah. yeah, he's like that guy at a party where you just want him to show up, but he's not, he's not like working on a cure for cancer. He's just the best guy for right now in this world. And I want him to have a good life. And I yeah. think that's what yeah. loving someone comes down to is that I just want them to have a good life. Mm-hmm. And that's- I mean, this is the whole reason why breakups in the movies are, and, and in real life are hard because like you don't want to see somebody hurt. You just want to see them have their best life. And maybe that means that you love them. Yeah. And every, I, <laughs> I've seen you have to deal with a lot of breakups uh-huh. and you've seen me deal with no breakups. Sure. <laughs> but every time I've like counseled you, not that I had much advice, but I was always just like, remember you a shoulder for me, but I was like, remember this is going to be good. Like every right. time someone breaks up, it's good for them in the long run because you don't want to be with someone that you shouldn't be with. And basically they end up having to break up because that lady that you were talking about mm-hmm. was butthurt because she didn't get any right uh, from Mr. Stewart, Mr. Swayze. <laughs> damn it. God damn it. She'd probably mad about that too. I, she probably is so upset that Patrick Stewart wouldn't have her. I would pay good money to see a deep fake of Patrick Swayze's face being replaced by Patrick Stewart. Oh, <laughs> I would watch this. I bet somebody's done something again. Uh, Earl Grey hot. Mm, um, Jennifer Grey hot. <laughs> <laughs> He just sees her for the first time on screen and goes, Jennifer Grey, hot, hot. Mm. <laughs> Make it so. <laughs> so she, she. Something happens where. She accuses, like she probably steals her husband's wallet. So she accuses Patrick Swayze of it. Right. So there's the theft and yeah. Mr. Kellerman accuses. Oh yeah. She doesn't actually. We don't see what happens. Right. All we see is that she sees Swayze leaving with baby. Mm-hmm. We see her get hurt by it. And then the next scene, Mr. Kellerman's like, the darndest thing. There's been th- there's been some thefts in the resort, and I think it's Patrick Swayze. So I've decided it's him. And Baby's like, it's not him. And yeah. they're like, how do you know it's not him? I can't tell you why. And they're like, well, we're going to go fire him. And she's like, fine. fine. I, I was with him. S- I slept with the man. Yeah. And dad. That is not Patrick Stewart. <laughs> and dad is the the definition of disappointed. Yeah, because not only did she sleep with someone, and that's probably something that 1960s dad definitely doesn't want to have happen, Mm -hmm. but he went against her wishes after he did so much to help her. So before she makes this confession publicly to Kellerman in front of of dad, she asks dad, you guys have to believe me, and dad, you have to stick up with me, and you have to be like my the witness to my truth and and like buy, and say what I'm saying is correct. You just have to accept what I'm saying. And he's like, 
can't do it anymore. I, I, I can't do it after what happened. I, I can't. Yeah. I can't accept what you're saying. And she's like, fine. And she has to like lay it all out in line. And he's so like 1960s embarrassed. Right. Like that's really hard for him to deal with in front of Mr. Kellerman, which is respected. Like his old friend, colleague, too. you know. Yeah. And so there's this scene afterward where she approaches him and he's listening to the loons of sad dad loneliness yeah. out by the <laughs> by the lake. And she kind of walks up to him and he doesn't really say anything. And she just gives him a piece of her mind where she's like, dad, you want me to be somebody I'm not. You keep telling me to be like this. However, that's completely contradictory to what you actually want from me. Mm-hmm. And she, it, it, you, it would feel more like the writer's speaking through her mouth if the performance wasn't so poignant from both of them. Yeah. Where it feels like this is a long time coming. Yeah. And she's basically like, you should have had my back. Yeah. And you, you let me down and, he's, and she also apologizes too. Yeah. Cause it's an awful thing and it's so tempered and so mature and it's both heartbreaking for both of them and they both are crying Yeah, and it's so good. It's so good. There's so much heart wrenching, just beauty. It's so good. There are a lot of things about me that aren't what you thought. But if you love me, you have to love all the things about me. And I love you. I'm sorry I let you down. I'm so sorry, Daddy. But you let me down, too. And then, basically, Patrick Swayze gets fired anyway because he slept with somebody and it's there's it's public and yeah yeah it's great um and so he goes to uh her dad and he's like basically baby's awesome you should love your daughter and then the dad's like basically i think that you You tried to knock her up like you knocked knocked up the other people and i love the writing in this movie is so brilliant where patrick swayze's like yeah that is how you would see me yeah he he walks away because he could he could say i didn't like, that's all it would take, could, but there's so much pride involved right he now. He could try to explain, but he sees the futility of it. There's yeah, no way. There's no way he's going to believe him. Yeah. Yeah. There's no way. And so they say goodbye, basically, and he leaves. Q. She's like the wind. She's like the wind. Right, which was written and performed by Patrick Swayze. It's, the music is just, oh, it's really good. So evocative. I, I mean, this is basically, I, I feel like a lot of cues... If you made this movie into a minor chord, you would have a lot of Twin Peaks. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. But uh, what's great is the 80s movies, I'll, I'm going to call it, I think 80s movies are actually aging really well. Yes, I agree. And I think when we were kids in the 90s, 80s were f- faded, like, like not cool. Because like 90s, everything was edgy. Mm-hmm. And the 80s movies we saw was like soft and like cheesy and bland. And we're like, eh. I mean, I didn't, but the world. The large. world was very yeah. jaded and cynical and very Gen X y about it. We're yeah. like, 80s, whatever. And, you know, there was still always 80s love. Sure. But I think 80s love, you know, obviously culminates in something like Stranger Things. Right. Yeah. But I think there's we, a lot of nostalgia going on today. But I think we can look at 80s movies like this, like Breakfast Club, like Ferris Bueller, the way that we look at any other decade and say, no, there was something specific to that decade. Yes. And do you notice that these days, 90s, 
nostalgia is trying to happen, but it just feels so half-hearted. Well, it has to be because everything in the 90s was half-hearted. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I, I really want them to do... To do like the only thing about the 90s that was full-throated, like Animorphs or yeah. something that's like corny, but at least had some passion behind yeah. it. Yeah. Anyway. Well, well, let's do the math here. So Dirty Dancing came out in 87. That story was set in 63. So that's 24 years. Which is right now. So if in 2021, we went back to 24 years. 1997. Yeah. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. Because looking at Dirty Dancing, I'm like, oh, it's set in ancient days. <laughs> and now it's like 1997. It's like, I was drinking Pepsi and going to the movies then. This this is weird, though, because 1963 to me doesn't feel like ancient times because of the amount of movies I watched that were set then that were from the sure. 80s. And I used to watch those growing up. So the 60s always felt pretty close. Like Apollo 13 is set in 1969. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Stand By Me is set in like the 60s. And mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So Patrick Swayze leaves. Then comes back. <laughs> Basically, that's the scene. Well, baby's baby goes to this dumb talent show. She's heartbroken. But what's great is that she's taking it in stride. Mm-hmm. She's not like devastated. Right. She's quietly devastated, but she also knows what the fuck is going on. And she also knows that next year she's not going to be at home anymore. Yeah. She right? knows that she's getting on with her life and it had to end sometime with this guy. And right. It just, this is how it ended. Mm-hmm. And so she goes to this dumb talent show where her sister does a dumb song and it's it's a good dumb song. Yeah, that's another bit of an actor acting bad. Yeah. yeah. So she, baby is in a corner. She is. And Patrick Swayze comes back. Yes, he does. And all of his friends are like, Patrick Swayze, Patrick Swayze, Patrick Swayze, Patrick Swayze. <laughs> and he goes straight up to baby and he says, no one puts baby in a corner. Gets up, interrupts the song that Ryan and I started off our podcast with. <laughs> And he is like, hey, I usually do the last dance and uh, I wasn't going to do it, but you know what? I'm going to do it. You know, and this this moment is so triumphant because he he doesn't like interrupt in a way where like like I feel like if you tried to do this these days, like the director or the writer would make this moment so like, fuck you guys. I'm going to do it right. my way. Yeah. And there would be so much like vitriol about it, but like he almost respectfully goes up and interrupts and he's like, I'm really sorry for interrupting, but I just kind of feel like it was a tragedy that I wasn't allowed to do my thing. I and got this dance. I got this partner. I wanted to do this dance yeah. with, and I just want to end with this. Yeah. So we're going to do this dance. And they, they kind of let him because you can't stand up to Patrick Swayze. Yeah. And, and they do it. And I love watching dad's emotions through this mm-hmm. where he's like, what? Right. And right before this, he walked up to Robbie, that guy that we've hated the whole movie. He's like, Hey Robbie, take some rubles. <laughs> yeah. He basically, he does a thing that I've been told happens where like you make an impression on somebody and they give you money because of it. <laughs> I'd like right, that to happen to me. Right before I moved to Portland, one of my managers from uh, Taco Del Mar gave me like <laughs> a $50 bonus. Nice. And he was like, get out there, kid, and do it. And I was like, yeah. Thanks. <laughs> but like the way he walks up and hands him a check, it's almost like he gave him a thousand dollars. Yeah. And was like, you go out there and change the world, kid. Yeah. And it's like... Because Robbie and the sister might be something. Well, yeah, because he doesn't know. Basically, none of his daughters are honest with him. Yeah. And that's what 
makes him hoisted on his own petard so yeah. often where he walks up and gives him money and the the kid puts his foot in his mouth and is like, Hey, you know, I, thanks for doing that thing for Penny. I, I was, I thought I was in a real bind, but you know, women. And it's like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's like screenwriter logic where it's like, I see that he needed to say something like this, but how dumb could you possibly dumb be could you to say him? this to this person? I feel like, I feel like they, like this is my only quibble with the movie. Here's my quibble. Quibbles and bits. Quibbles and bits. Quibbles and bits. 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 Quibbles and bits is part of a balanced podcast diet. Please talk to your doctor before listening. Quibbles and bits is for humans, not dogs. Part of FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. I feel like at that moment, it was time for the other daughter to say something or uh, for Penny to walk by and say something like the, uh, Oh yeah. Penny could have, or, or, or baby could have yeah. said something and be like, dad, this is what's going on. Yeah. And it's like, what are you doing? Like make the world better. Don't make it worse by giving him money. Like it'd be hard to contrive this moment. I see the trouble that they had. I, with I feel it. like they were writing the screenplay and they're like, threading the needle for everything and it's like yeah then they're gonna do the dance oh then they're gonna do this one thing and then oh right this guy uh um well i guess he just say says it, it? <laughs> <laughs> which i can't really fault them for the rest of the movie's so good yeah so he's like oh i was the one who doinked penny and got her and pregnant. then left her there i mean she was probably lying but thanks anyway so thanks for being cool about the whole abortion thing <laughs> Thanks for not ratting me out and for this money. <laughs> and the dad <laughs> played like, fuck off. Played by Jerry Orbach, who we haven't even said, basically gives him his hardest law and order stare and yes. is like, no. And he <laughs> takes the check back. <laughs> Um, and then the dance scene happens and they've been working this whole movie on the lift. You know what it is. It's even if you didn't watch this movie and haven't seen it, you know, the lift it's glorious. And we see, we see dad watching the dance and he's like, Oh, he hasn't been Uh, fucking my daughter. He's just been dancing with her. uh, And everyone in the audience is like, sure. (laughs) Totally man. And then Kelly Bishop is like, hmm. Mm, I think I could I, use some of that. She's like, she, I think she gets that from me. <laughs> mm. I, I bet she's kind of like my Lorelai. <laughs> and then everybody dances. Like it, it, Everybody dances. It's like a Shakespearean ending because everybody's dancing. Everybody's happy. It could basically be a wedding. I can't stress this enough. This is some of the most joyous minutes of cinema I've ever seen. And, and last week... Gosh, this is two movies in a row where it just ends ecstatically. Yes, it's wonderful. I'm loving the movies we're, it, we're rolling. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's we're so, we're on a roll. Thank you to the patrons for choosing this Woo! one. Woo! But I, it's just I'm feeling it. And can we just get some of that? Yeah, yeah, I got that music going. Ah, I love this song. Man. This song is so good. Would you, would you say, Ryan, that you had the time of your life? I would. I really did. I would. Well. Let's throw it on over the trope talk and we'll uh, we'll get back. We'll get back to real life. And we're back with trope talk. It's like dance talk, but with less hip thrusting. <laughs> Generally. <laughs> no, you should see Ryan. The almost the whole podcast he's just like mm, 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 mm. I like to sw- I never forget that line from Forrest Gump. He liked to swivel his hips. <laughs> I, every time I saw I Patrick Swayze, I was like, he likes to swivel his hips. 
so your your Forrest Gump has a lisp that he doesn't have that makes him sound a little evil. <laughs> um, evil Forrest Gump. E- oh, evil Gump. Um, so there is a evil Bellamy in this movie. Speaking of which, the that the, guy, that the, douchebag, Mr. Kellerman's son. Here, here, read some uh, proto. Uh, what is it? The Fountainhead, some proto-fascist literature. Oh, no, literature. that was Robbie. He's he's just bad guy. Yeah, he was just like, hey, look, like his baby at one point in time calls him out for doing this to Penny, and he's just like... It's good to be selfish. Read hey, some books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, do you think capitalism's bad? Because read this. Because capitalism I, is the best thing ever. Yeah, and uh, also trains. <laughs> Which that's the only part of that book I'm really on board for. Bring back the trains. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the 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 the, the kind of dopey guy that the dopey keeps guy bothering. Yeah, because he's vanilla and he's not necessarily sweet. He's annoying. <laughs> and then at the end, he's mean to Patrick Swayze, mm. where he's like, "Do the Pachanka, Swayze. <laughs> Do it." And Swayze's like, "Fine." Uh, oh, the Pachanka. Okay. And so he's my evil Bellamy for this movie. I just had to get that out of there. But what's the trope? The trope is lover come back. Lover come back. <clears throat> you and can come back to me and we'll never ever be apart again. Lover come back. So lover come back, Ryan. What is it all about? It's when the romantic hero leaves. Uh-huh. And then comes back. Yes. I'm going to look over at your movie list while you were sleeping. When does it happen while you were sleeping? Um, with Bill Pullman mm-hmm. gets left at... No, he doesn't get left out the he altar. There, there is a explosion at this um, uh, wedding, wedding thing mm-hmm. where she's supposed to be marrying Caterpillar Brows. Uh-huh. But then she has to come clean mm-hmm. and says, actually, I've been stalking this guy yep. and we were never engaged, yep. but I've actually kind of in love with Bill Pullman. Yeah. But then she runs away. And things fizzle. Mm-hmm. So she's at work one day and then who should come back but Bill Pullman and right. the whole family with him. Whole family. And it's not really that she, that Bill Pullman leaves, but he comes back like and saves the day at the end mm-hmm. in a manner of speaking. Mm-hmm. That's what this trope is all about is... Like the day is saved when two people can be in love together. Mm-hmm. Like that's what saves the day. You don't need to like rescue somebody from somewhere. You just need to rescue their heart by being there with them. When Harry met Sally, it's New Year's Eve. They've had a big fight. They slept together. Things got really weird. They, their friendship is in ruins, mm-hmm. but New Year's Eve comes and, and it's love a comeback. When you want to spend the rest of your life with someone, you want that life to start right away. Um, the holiday. The holiday. I mean, actually, this happens uh, with multiple people. Yeah. Because Jack Black has to leave to go, like, you know, have a conversation with Shannon Sossaman where he's like, why did you cheat on me? And she's like, I'm so sorry. And he can't be at the award show. But then he makes it right on time mm-hmm. to get the music for the guy to go up to the award show. And then, and Kate Winslet's like, all right, you're here. And he's like, let's date. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, the love's brought back. And then the same way Cameron Diaz, she leaves Jude Law and we're like, yay. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, actually, I think I'll go back to Jude Law. And we're like, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, Ross and Rachel, Friends, yep. season 10. She got off the plane. This might be the most tropey trope that we've ever troped on this trope show. Is it in every rom-com? 
No. Well, hold Family on a second. Stone. Family Stone. She gets off the bus. She gets off the bus. She gets See, off the combining bus. Right Claire there. Danes. Claire Danes. <laughs> Love her. Um, Love that Claire Danes. The proposal. Isn't there something with a plane at the end? Well, uh, she... Uh, what happens? Does she... I haven't seen it in a long time. Ryan Reynolds comes back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> they... <laughs> No, they Reynolds comes back. Oh, they thought they she leaves Alaska and they're like, oh, she'll come back. She'll come back. But she doesn't come back. Right. But Ryan Reynolds comes back to the New York office. Right. Right. And then um, I mean, basically, I'm looking at all these movies and there's like instances of these. Uh, Okay, Pride and Prejudice. We haven't watched it yet on this podcast, but basically um, Darcy like kind of saves the day from a distance and Elizabeth thinks that, you know, everything's done for because he's seen the shame of her family. And then the morning after he like walks through the mist to her and he's like, I'm back and I love you, Mm. baby. That walk through the mist. It's just a, I think it's part and parcel that if two people are going to be together, it's more dramatic if they're separate before you bring them back. Yeah. I think Notting Hill might be the best one too. Oh, because like, Oh, that is the best one. Because there's like two yes. lover come back. There's her coming back where he goes she and visits the her. On the, he visits her on the film set mm-hmm. and she's like, ah, I don't know why he's here. And he overhears it and he's like, ouch. And yeah. he like flees. So she comes back to him. She's like, hey, I thought we were going to connect. And he's like, what was that all that talk on the film set? And she's like, whatever. It was bullshit. And she does her famous line of, I'm just a girl standing in front of a boy uh, asking her to mm-hmm. love him. Love me. Love you. Love, love- I'm just, love, love, just love. Love, love is all love around this us. painting. Here's a painting. <laughs> He's like, nah. <laughs> and then he talks about it with his friends and he realizes, I'm an idiot. Yeah. And then he goes and chases her down. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like the chase, but it's more, it's more about that boomerang of love, throwing love away from you and then being like, no, I need that love back. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of, con- a lot of times it's a contrivance. Sure. A lot of the times it's just something that has to happen to have something dramatic. But like in this movie, the reason why it feels so pure is because he is ousted from a place. He's told he's not welcome and to leave. Mm -hmm. And so he does leave. But then he decides, you know what? What's really holding me back? And we don't he doesn't tell us that we just infer it so perfectly because we know his character. Enough has been built into his character to know. Look, no, this guy is honorable and he wants to finish what he started basically. Mm-hmm. And that's what he says in his speech. Yeah. And we, we, the stakes of the movie had been set up where it's like, Oh, the, the staffers aren't supposed to be congregating with the guests. Mm-hmm. And we knew there were consequences the whole time with this relationship. And, and, and they break walls down at the end because yeah. of it, because we finally get to see the dance culminated, you know, in her, him lifting her up and then everybody dances together on the dance floor. Yeah. And it's funny cause the movie bookends because when it's doing the dirty dancing credits at the beginning, it's actually that end scene, oh. but just like slowed down and yeah. like they, they throw a couple of like filters over the top of it. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. Great. So it's a great trope and it's probably our tropiest trope. Yeah, it's our tropiest trope. You know, actually, speaking of this podcast trope, I just got a package from New Zealand. Oh. And it's addressed, like, no return address, but in the left-hand corner it says F-U guys, which I think is from The, the train, train Man, man. who's basically the... The trope of this yep. podcast. Yeah, you guys, that's that's Train Man's thing. So um, he, in this package, I he I opened it up. Was and it covered in spit? No, it wasn't covered in spit, but it did smell 
oddly of like wallaby dung, I would say. <laughs> so because he was in New Zealand. Classic train man. He was in New Zealand last. Was uh, he there because we sent him there for falling in love? I, I don't know. You just told me that you sent him to New Zealand. You said that. Oh, OK. That I, you said we said he might have died, but he might have gone to New Zealand. I'm not sure. He was probably looking for us because we did a movie on falling in love. Right, which is exactly. Said he was probably looking for us there. And then he sent us a stinky package back. But inside this package okay. was your essay. Hey. Yeah. And so this essay is all about nostalgia, which we've been talking about a little bit today. And it's kind of about the nostalgia of you. You write a lot about um, Orange County. The movie. The movie. Which, yeah, not 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 <laughs> no. OC, the TV show, nor Orange County and its particular politics right. and economics. Um, and you just kind of delve into, like, what makes something nostalgic. Mm-hmm. And talk a little bit more about it, because I actually haven't seen Orange County. Oh, well, this is something that would be a really good test case, because I talk about how nostalgia totally paints our perspective. Mm-hmm. And it, like, when you're watching something... Like, I, I found this a lot where we'll be talking about a movie, and you're like, this movie is so good. And it's a movie that, like, I objectively knew about that movie, and I hadn't seen it, and you're like, no, 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 you got to watch this movie. I'm, and I'm like, is it that good, or did you have a really good experience around that movie? Sure, you and actually- that's why you think that movie is so good. You ask me this even before watching movies that I suggest sometimes, because I built it up so much. I ask you what? What do I- How do you I say, phrase it? Well- like, um, not with Goonies, um, but that is an experience you had with Goonies where you didn't experience it in the right time, so you have no nostalgia for it. Yeah. And that's that's actually true across the board for Goonies. If you didn't get there when you were young, it's really hard to get into it when you're older. Yeah. But um, the like the, there will be a movie where I'm like, ah, this movie is so great, but it's one that you missed. And I think you have a preemptive, like... N- not worry, but you want to steel yourself against the possibility that this movie has been built up for me because of nostalgia rather than being good in its own merits. Right. And so like Orange County came out at the perfect time for me. It was there for me when I needed it. It was the kind of story that I felt I could totally relate to and Mm -hmm. it like saw me in my place. And it's something that's kind of been a good tonic for me in the, in the years past, less so because it's about a guy going into college and I've kind of grown past that version of myself, Sure, but it was totally there for me when I needed it. And I'm like, looking on Amazon because I'm trying to upgrade all my DVDs. I have a DVD of Orange County. I'm like, ah, I need a Blu-ray of that. And I go to Amazon to find it. They haven't made a Blu-ray of it because it's not a priority. Yeah. Because they're like, no one's going to want to watch Orange County on Blu-ray. Like they've got, if they want to watch it, they can stream it. But they're, they're like, like Paramount is putting out all these deluxe releases. Like the new one that they announced this week, I'm super excited for is that they're doing a special edition of Harold and Maude on Blu-ray. I'm like, sweet. I can't wait to pick that up. But they're Wait, not. Gonna, isn't that on Criterion? Uh, it went out of print, and oh. Paramount intentionally took it out of print so they could do their own version. And I'm like, fine by me. I'll still get my Blu-ray of it. And there are movies that are still coming out in physical media that's being a big deal, but they're not doing it for older catalog releases from this movie from 2002. They're like, whatever. There's a DVD of it. You don't need a Blu-ray of it. And I'm thinking, how could they not prioritize such a great movie? Mm-hmm. And I realize, I'm like, is it great? Or was it great because of what it did for me personally? Uh, uh-huh, Maybe uh-huh. it's not that great a movie. So mm. I kind of want you to watch it and be like, did you enjoy it as much as I did? Or it, 
Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll watch it. I'm gonna have a lot of time coming up soon. Yeah, a lot of baby time. It, it's got a lot of Jack Black exploit exploits. So I, I think, love Jack Black. So I think it's fun. At the very least, think people will find it fun. But yeah, it I I write about how nostalgia totally alters your perception, and there's no escaping it. You can't. Like you can temper some of that, but it's there, really hard to see things objectively. I kind of, I have actually run into, you can do that, I think actually, but it's, it's, you don't look at it as nostalgia being tempered. You kind of look at it as a tragedy of your change mm-hmm. because there's some movies that I've gone back to that I really loved and used to watch all the time. And then I'll watch it these days and I'm just like. It's sad that you don't do the same thing for me anymore. You're like, this isn't as good. Yeah. <laughs> and I have to confess, this is why I've avoided Dirty Dancing my whole life. Because I watched Princess Bride, and I really like Princess Bride, mm-hmm. but I didn't watch it as a really little kid. I watched it in junior high. Mm-hmm. So I was just young enough to be like, yeah, this is cool. Mm-hmm. But for you, it is a masterpiece. and it is. It but is- I didn't watch it till I was in seventh grade either. Oh, I thought you were really little when you saw it first. Seventh grade. But still, there was a youthfulness that connected to it. So I was like, "Ah, Princess Bride, I can get into it. Goonies, I was like, "Uh, I guess it's good. Like, I don't don't know why everyone's so obsessed with this movie. It's fun, but... That that one is, is much more like you can connect very specifically with the children yeah. if you are a child, and so you feel a kinship with them. And especially for people in the Pacific Northwest, where yeah. you're just like, rainy clouds, you want to totally. go on an adventure, but you have to wear your raincoat, you want to go up into an attic because there's a storm, there's like a mood nostalgia to it. Yeah, but it, it might be a generational thing where I might show it to Theo when he's eight, and he'll be like... That's all right. I think there's like this kind of like every generation has their like thing like that. I was terrified that Dirty Dancing was just going to be another memento from the 80s mm. that was going to be like the Goonies where it's like if you were a teenager in the 80s, you would be totally attached to it. And I was afraid kind of that like was... how we felt about Love Jones, where it's not a bad movie at all. But like you could see how if you experience this as a teenager in the 90s, it would be like, whoa, that really hit me hard. Yeah. And I was just kind of thinking, I'm like, there's I am not a part of that era where I was a teenager to experience Dirty Dancing. So I just I think I missed the bus. I don't think I'll be able yeah, to enjoy this, this one's movie. universal. Yeah, because that's how I, I was disappointed when I finally caught up to the Goonies and watched. It. I was just like, "That's it!" Like I was really let down by that experience. I'm like, everyone was saying like this is the greatest thing ever and it's so fun, but it's just okay. And I was just kind of like, I don't want to be let down by this. And I don't think it's just okay, but <laughs> but but listener, Dirty Dancing didn't let me down one bit. Nope. It is it is a movie that is universally good. However, when Rob and I were talking about it afterwards, we the way that we could see somebody not liking this is if you're not really into sincerity. <laughs> like that, if you and, don't have a heart. Well, yeah. But there there is a huge swath of not only filmmakers but like moviegoers these days that really aren't as interested in sincerity. It's sad. They they like it's it is sad. I, and I'm not going to be the old man who's like, oh, why can't they like things like they used to be? Mm-hmm. It's just that there is um, there is a an, an inclination right now towards like infusing infusing films with a little bit of sarcasm. Yeah, because it's not cynicism at all. Um, it's not like the 90s cynicism. Mm-hmm. It's it's much more like 
being so self-aware that we can't be serious and like heartful. And it's, it's just like, uh, it, it's not something that is like non-existent these days. It just happens a little less frequently, I well, think, especially I, than the eighties. And if I could compliment a thing that I don't usually compliment, which is the MCU, I'm usually a big cynic about it. Tony Stark is that like sarcastic mm-hmm. protagonist. Yes. And his movies aren't that sincere. Mm-hmm. They're, they're very like, whatever, you know, take these serious moments and then throw a joke in, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. He's quippy. Yeah. And it, it never gets too serious. Right. Steve Rogers, Captain America, mm-hmm. is the most sincere character in the MCU. Sure. And his movies are very sincere as well. They are. And and I will say that those two characters fit really well in that universe. But once you start dipping into the other heroes, it's not that their movies are necessarily bad, but they what they said was, ah, Iron Man worked really well. Let's make every character a little bit like Iron Man, yeah. where everybody is quippy all the time. Yeah. And it's like, that's when I think the, the MCU kind of loses luster for me and actually feeds into this, like realm of lacking sincerity because like Sam Sam Raimi Spider-Man for instance mm. is like I know you love it love and it, it is very sincere as far as yeah. superhero movies go yeah and um yeah and I I'd like to see more of that these days where it, it takes itself just seriously enough because I I wish I saw a little bit more of that because it's it's enough there in the new Spider-Man movies mm. but there's still some of that some of the punchlines are at the expense of sincerity. Yeah, and and it's not Spider-Man ne- necessarily doing it. It's like the ulterior characters, like uh, like MJ being like, you know, I'm going to reference this thing or I'm going to call out this thing. Yeah, and she's it's a like, really sarcastic character, and that's okay. Yeah, you can have those for sure, but when when your whole movie is littered with sarcasm as jokes, then it becomes a little tiring after a while because it's like, dip me into the emotion of the moment. Don't drag me out of it by, you know, saying, well, I'm going to come in on the world here for a second. Yeah. And I, I think that's why I love Spider-Man, Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man the most and, and, and will die on the hill of saying that that's the greatest comic book movie of all time, because there's this innocent sincerity that reminds me of reading comic books on a Saturday morning. Mm. It, it's just very childlike and not jaded, unjaded, just very open hearted about, the world and I love that. Did you read comic books on a no, Saturday morning? Because there's, there's a lot of it was gonna be. there's a lot of jadedness in but, comic but books. But there's something about the innocence of young people reading comics and being inspired. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's how I felt with watching Spider Man. Right. I felt like I was getting that well, optimistic inspiration. I think the evolution happened in happened in that regard because like, you know, I as a young person used to read comics and then I grew up and became an adult who read comics and could appreciate them. Mm-hmm. Um, and the comics can be read by anyone in my opinion, but then the MCU recognized, Oh, it's not just kids going to see these movies. It's adults too. And so they did that Shrek thing where they're like, you know what? We gotta, we gotta add some, some jokes for adults here. Yeah. And it's like, it was all there. You guys just didn't believe in it before. Yeah, because a lot of the humor in MCU is like, oh no, guys, we're embracing each other. <laughs> yeah. That's funny, right? <laughs> and I think for a movie like Dirty Dancing, it's saying be courageous in being open hearted. Yeah. Be courageous in pursuing relationship and take stock in all that you do because 
it's something worth celebrating in a movie like this. Here, here. Um, speaking of here, right here in front of me, <laughs> I have some letters. Oh. Do you want to do the letter segment now? Let's do the letters now. Hey, Flo. Huh? Mail come. Got mail for you. Oh, Pete, you got mail. You sent me a letter. You've got mail. Our first letter today comes from Leslie of the paranormal podcast Legends in the Dark. Um, Leslie seems to really like our podcast, so thank you so much, Leslie, for writing in. We really appreciate that. And she had a lot to say about, very specifically, as we've already brought it up today, while you were sleeping. Um, And specifically the character of Jack, uh, played by Bill Pullman. And just she was kind of just writing for the fact that he, as a character, is a little bit more complex than we gave him credit for and has like an interior life with a lot going on. And she she really likes the dynamic that the movie built between Jack and his family and Peter and his and like his relationship with the family and rides for why Annie. Annie's her name in that movie. Uh. Sandy B. Let's call her no, Sandy Annie. B. Her name's Annie. Okay. Um, falls in love with Jack. And she she wrote us a long list of why and like I'm not gonna read the whole thing here, but um she does say something that I thought was really poignant. Jack is a nice guy who seemingly never gets the girl who is overlooked by Annie and by his family. When Annie finally begins to notice him, seemingly his family finally notices him too. She gives him courage to speak to his father, and his father is surprised that he has never mentioned his dreams before, and this is a turning point for him in his life. Yeah, and she she made a really good uh, comment of saying, "What look what happens when he comes and comes to her at the very end of the movie it's him and the whole family is behind him yep it's this great image where they literally have his back yeah Mm -hmm. and before they she was in earlier on she mentions that peter peter gallagher Mm -hmm. is um the he's kind of like the golden boy even though he sucks yeah because he doesn't really do much for the family right and um you know i like it, it really kind of made me think about like my family a little bit because mm. I don't live near them, but Cody does. Right. Um, and um, I, I was like, which one of us is the golden boy? <laughs> <laughs> but it was really, um, it was really good. Thanks for writing in, Leslie. Um, if you guys want to go check out uh, her podcast that she does with Jay, uh, it's called Legends in the Dark. Check it out anywhere. Nice. I got a letter, uh, Instagram message for from Corinne from the One Dry Kiss podcast. Uh, she recommended One Dry Kiss. One Dry Kiss. It's a Hallmark podcast. Oh, you? I don't want a dry kiss, but maybe <laughs> there's a good reason to have a dry kiss. Oh, maybe because it's so yep. innocent. You know, there's no tongue involved. So, <sighs> so in the movie, there's one kiss, and it's a pretty dry kiss. I bet that's why. I think that's it. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. So. Uh, she recommended that we watch The Wedding Banquet, which is by Ang Lee, who directed Sense and Sensibility. So the, I, I love Ang Lee. Yeah. So the Although wed- some of his movies are a little hit and miss, I love him. Mm-hmm. She says it's a fantastic rom-com that also has great AAPI leads and deals with being torn between traditional Chinese culture and following your gay heart. It has the emotional hook that you were saying makes rom-coms next level. What? So it's going on what? the list. The banquet? It, the Wedding Banquet. It's what put him on the map that got Emma Thompson to notice him in the first place that he got the job to do Sense and Sensibility. 1993, two years before Sense and Sensibility came out. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I'm on board. Let's watch it. So it's on the list. I don't have any other letters, but I will 
in this segment just say it's uh and welcome to baby watch it is <laughs> no baby watch 2021 <laughs> it is september 28th kelly's wife robin is due on october 1st second second so that's four days away so five days away ish by the time you're hearing this podcast the baby will probably have been no by the time this one comes out that'll be next sunday definitely gonna have come out no, yeah. it, like she, uh, they're going to induce, um, before week 41 and that would be on the eighth and this movie, this is coming out on the 10th. Okay. So like, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Baby's here guys. <laughs> so we're, we're playing it by ear. Uh-huh. We will have episodes no matter what every week. We're not going to falter on that. Kelly's attendance. Maybe a little bit in and out. <laughs> I, I think um, for the most part, we're we're definitely going to at least have an episode with a guest friend of the pod, best friend of the pod, <laughs> uh, Rachel Perel Foskett. Um, She's going to be on our next episode. And, and who knows? I might. Be. Kelly will probably be there. I, I scheduled it intentionally of like, Kelly, I told Rachel this. Three things might ha- One of three things might happen. Kelly will be there. Kelly will not be there. Kelly will be there part of the time and we'll have to leave halfway through because Robin will go into labor. Yeah, because Robin is actually due when we're recording. So yeah. who knows? So we'll, we'll see what happens. But the the next episode that is going to be next week with Rachel, we're going to do The Birdcage. Oh, yeah. I love so, The Birdcage. I can't miss that. I love The Birdcage. I know. So we're going to have a great time. Oh, she, she called us out a little bit because her first suggestion was uh, the the film that it was originally based on. F- oh, no. No, not too... <laughs> no, the, her, her first suggestion to us was Tu Wong Fu. Uh, the French one. Which also Patrick Swayze. <laughs> right, yeah. but not Tu Wong Fu. Okay. Um, so Birdcage is a remake of Le Cage aux Faux, which is a French which film. Which is the Birdcage. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, I just... I needed to be able to say it in, in France. Oh, talk. I see. I see. Uh, she originally said, let's do that, because she's like, you guys haven't done a foreign film yet. And I was like, that is a good point. That is a good point. I think one of the hard things about doing this podcast is, if we can give the viewers a sneak behind the pod, is just that it is hard finding movies that are available for everybody to watch. Yeah, and I, I know that La Cage Faux is big enough that it would be available, but it's not as accessible, and yeah. that's very American elitist of us, of English-speaking language. I- Oh, oh, you mean in that way? Yes. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And people would probably have to pay for it, which, you know. And, and like, like Bong Joon-ho said in his Oscar acceptance speech when he won Best Picture for a foreign film, which had never happened before. If people can get over the two inch barrier of subtitles, it will open up a world of cinema to them. Mm-hmm. And so on the one hand, I do feel like it is our, our duty to challenge our listeners be like, Hey, let's, let's dive into some more obscure films that you, uh-huh. you probably have encountered because it's, in, it's foreign and we don't talk about foreign films nearly enough. And you know, this is me speaking with <laughs> half a shelf is just foreign films. Yeah. The, um, I mean, you and I both, some of our first jobs um, in Portland were working for Living Room Theaters, where we, I think, showed the the city's most, like, biggest selection of foreign films. Yeah. Like, on any given day, you'd have, like, three or four yeah. playing. Yeah, and the right? first film that we watched in Portland together was a French thriller. It was in French. Which one was it? Um, it was it was something French talk. <laughs> it was Wait, like... which movie was this? Um, it was... The first movie we saw in Portland? It was called Point Blank... It was a thriller from 2011 in French. 
you and I went. Oh, and we didn't pay yeah. For it. I do have a vague recollection. I remember of this. going to that movie with you, and I was like, "Man, we're on the f- top of the fucking world. We're going to this movie together. We don't. We're not college anymore. I don't even we're think it was that good. Film- <laughs> no, it was pretty good. Yeah, and, and we're I'm looking up a picture of this. <laughs> And I was just thinking, like, we're going to be making movies together. And then we kind of did. <laughs> and we still kind of are. It's going great. So, yeah, the we'll be recording. It'll definitely be me and Rachel. Maybe Kelly will be there, too. We're going to talk Birdcage. Yeah. And then after that, if I if I don't, if depending on how things are going with the baby, Sarah might also be helping out on an episode. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. But, uh, but don't worry. Don't worry, friends. If I'm gone for an episode, I will be back. Yes. Uh, so I forgot when we were talking about the train man, um, we also need to mention what else is going on the Patreon. Oh yes. The Patreon besides your essay, we also have our October, not bonus episode though. That will be coming too. Yes. Yes. If you do want to go over to patreon.com slash romcom gents, we are going to be doing the first season of the Gilmore girls. Yes. That is dropped last week. Yeah, it'll be out. It'll, it'll be, be out, out. Right now. It'll be out right now. You can go ahead and go over to Patreon and and check that out, but in addition to that, we also have the listener picked movie poll coming up and let me tell you, it's spooky. <laughs> spooky October movie poll. <laughs> <laughs> you sound almost cold. <laughs> you know, it was raining a lot this it's week. Chilly October. So <laughs> this month it's a spooky season. So we're doing the Zomcom Warm Bodies. Yes. And then we're doing Practical Magic, which was also filmed in the town Robin and I got married in. Mm. Mm. And then So I Married an Axe Murder, which is not as scary, but still a scary thing. I mean, I don't want to marry an axe murder. I don't want an axe murder. And speaking of dark and evil, we have The Devil Wears Prada. <laughs> So I I brought it up just because it had devil in the name and it's got to stick. It's got to stick. So it's up to you guys for our spooky season. Have you seen all of these movies? Yes, 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 yes. Oh, really? I haven't seen Warm Bodies. I remember liking it. (laughs) I remember Lauren, your sister-in-law, recommended it to me. Yeah, she thought it was um, a a fresh take. Nice. And, and it definitely is. You don't mm-hmm. see a lot of Zomcoms these days. No, not a I mean, the other Zomcom I think that you could say is a Zomcom-ish is Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead. Because I think if, if we're including So I Married an Axe Murderer on our Romcom list, then Shaun of the Dead is probably there too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's our Patreon. Please join it because Kelly is about to have a baby. And I'm going to have a baby. Any quiche helps. Uh, <laughs> keeps the lights on, keeps us working, gives us a reason to celebrate love and sincerity. Yes. And so anything you can throw to us, we'd love and appreciate. And in return, we have bonus episodes on the Gilmore Girls. We have weekly uh, essays. And the bonus episodes stack. It's something that I haven't realized because yeah. I've been I've been following one other podcast as mm-hmm. a patron person. Mm-hmm. And I've been with them since the beginning. So it's like I never had a library of bonus episodes to go but through. Now, but now it's starting to stack. <clears throat> Last month we had The Hobbit. This month we've got Gilmore Girls. I think uh, content-wise we probably have a good 12 to 15 hours of bonus episodes yeah. right now. And so, hey, you know, you got a road trip coming up. You want to, like, bomb through some episodes. Yeah. Great, Come great over and be a patron. It. Yeah. Um, uh, speaking of being a patron, Ryan, I might not have slipped you any, you know, diamonds or hundred dollar bills into your pocket, but I sure did slip a rom-com Oscar 
what does it say? <laughs> on the pedestal with the rom-com Oscar that's on it. What does it say that it's for? Oh, or who? Oh, oh, or it's, what? Oh, okay, I'll tell you. Hold on. It says... Getting late. Hold on. <laughs> it says... Best fucking dancing. Wait, hold on. <laughs> So is, is it just that one scene where they're dancing, then fucking? <laughs> no, but it's just the greatest dancing. Yeah, it's it's the best dancing for Bar sure. None. We, we did earlier this year, we did Moulin Rouge, if you remember, back in like April or so. And it had dancing in it, but mm-hmm. nowhere near as good as this dancing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and I, I mean, maybe a singing in the rain or an American Paris will come up. But again, it's going to be competitive. Like, I don't see it being beat by any other movie i mean dance i mean that scene in the rain has some good dancing but great dancing in this film i love it so much some of the best um i already gave best montage to cutting edge mm. i believe mm-hmm. somebody needs to make us a wikia or something yeah <laughs> so we can keep track of this um i think i want to give this film most sincere mm. it just doesn't pull any of its emotional punches and yet it's still lively and watchable. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like your best friend where it's like you can say anything to and it's never going to get so dark. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there might be trouble, but you're going to be best friends at the end no matter what. Yeah. Kind of like you. Yeah. Yeah. So most sincere. Yeah. Well, speaking of sincerely loving something, can you sincerely tell me who you would love in this movie? Are there any circumstances in which uh, the two of you might be more than just good friends. The truth of it is, I've loved you from the first second I met you. But mostly I hate the way I don't hate you. Not even close. Not even a little bit. Not even at all. You have bewitched me, body and soul. And I love, and love, and love you. I know. The suspense is killing me. (laughs) (laughs) Um... It's it's hard because it's going to be one of our two main characters because mm-hmm. they're the most likable ones in this film. And they're just wonderful when we get to see them grow in love. And I, I think I'm always a suck. Like, I really want to say Patrick Swayze, but I'm going to say Jennifer Grey because mm-hmm. even though I think Patrick Swayze is technically hotter and he has a lot of honor and pride, which I like. I think I am so attracted to people who want to do good for others yeah, and are also tryhards mm-hmm. and Jennifer Grey is that. And so I'm falling in love with Jennifer Grey in this one. I'm falling in, lo- in love with baby. I, I think Jennifer Grey is one of the most beautiful women of all time. I think she's really lovely, especially in this movie, as opposed to Ferris Bueller, where she's supposed to be like the annoying sister. Sure. But not even like when she's in the lake with him and mm-hmm. her curly hair is totally flattened. She looks really different, mm-hmm. but she looks really, I don't know. Just, I i like her even more when she's totally stripped down uh-huh. and it's not about makeup or her hair or anything. She's just beautiful. Right. This movie at one point when she does the, the dance, um, with like the first dance with Patrick Swayze in front of all the people, mm-hmm. she's really done up. Yeah. And she doesn't look like herself. She doesn't like, 
it, it feels like it, she feels out of place and then she also looks out of place. Yeah. But when when you strip all of that away, it's like, oh man, Jennifer Grey, you're so pretty. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I really like I want to go back in time and go fall in love at camp just because mm-hmm. this this movie made it look so fun. Yeah. yeah. You wait, come on. You had some camp crushes. Yeah, I mean, camp crushes is one thing, but like camp camp like fall in love i only went to one camp well yeah i think that's what's so special about this movie is that this is once in a lifetime that no i mean oh they, it's them, them falling in love them. is once in a lifetime I, I was gonna say they've been to camps many a time right no but that's that's what's special about it this is the a stars special, aligned this is a special relationship agreed and this it, is why it's story is, and that's why it's it a matters. special movie yeah so next week we're doing uh, the Birdcage. Yep. It is um, Robin Williams, Nathan Lane. Uh, they run a and run and live above a nightclub. Yeah. And Gene um, Hackman. They did Gene Hackman's in it. And uh, I won't ruin it if you haven't seen it, but it was a movie that and I, I better be there because we watched that for the first time together. And we got, got super drunk. We got drunk and ate pizza and watched the movie and just like arms around each other. We're like, this movie's great. <laughs> And so please join us next week for that. Um, I think that's it. I don't think there's anything else to say. Yep. So I, I guess... have a baby now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I Kelly, I just, I just wanted to tell you that I had the time of my life. <laughs> Ryan, I just want to say nobody puts Ryan in a corner. Let's dance. And this is where we will say goodbye. Ryan and Kelly must bid you adieu. Thank you for listening to our review. Rate and subscribe, we'll even take a bribe. So see you next week on the Gentleman's Guide. To rom-coms. <laughs>